Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. My name is Scott Reich, and it is February 5th, 2024. We have a great show for you today. First, the jury begins their deliberations in the Jennifer Crumley matter. Was Rex Hurman's wife around for the alleged murders? Sarah Boone, how many court-appointed attorneys can she possibly go through? Well, we'll see if she's going to get number eight. A sugar heir. That's right. Apparently, there still is such a thing. Well, he was arrested in Florida. Wait till you hear what. Um, and listen, the police have a duty to protect people that cooperate with them, you know, so they don't wind up dead. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day, win a Grammy, go to jail. Let's talk about it. Hi, lawyer. Lawyer. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. And remember, you can always listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. And yes, please hit that little bell for notifications. You may say, why, Scott? I did that. Well, guess what? When you go to YouTube jail, I think they take all those notifications off. So you want to make sure you hit the button so you get notifications. We've had a lot of people say, hey, I didn't even think you were doing videos anymore. I don't get notifications. So please hit the little bell. All right. First on the docket, the jury is deliberating in the Jennifer Crumley matter. You know, the mom of the Oxford High School shooter. And uh, is she guilty of involuntary manslaughter after... Uh, seven days of testimony at her trial. Well, we are waiting to see. We have the we have the Jennifer Crumley uh, verdict watch camera up. We'll bring it to you live when it actually happens. So the uh, closing arguments were heard Friday, and the jury deliberations began uh, all day on uh, Monday, and uh, no verdict just yet. Now, as you may recall, both uh, Jennifer and James Crumley, the husband who is going to be having his own trial in a couple of weeks, are facing four counts of involuntary manslaughter uh, in connection with their son's mass shooting. Now, those charges stem from the death of uh, 14-year-old Hannah St. Juliana, 16-year-old Tate Myrie, 17-year-old Madison Baldwin, and 17-year-old Justice Schilling. Now, we've talked about this, and it's a dangerous precedent to set. This is the first time that a parent has been criminally prosecuted. Now, they've been sued all kinds of ways in other cases, but this is the first time anyone's been charged uh, for providing a firearm to a juvenile in regards to the mass shooting without some evidence that they've said, here, go do this. Okay. I've said this before. A lot of people disagree with me, but hey, we don't have to agree as long as we can have a civil conversation and look at the law. Remember, criminally negligent manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter is a negligent standard. That's a civil standard. And I know people say, well, it doesn't matter what the standard is. Well, it does. Because in our criminal justice system, normally something of a negligent standard, it's a civil matter. Go deal with it in the civil case. When you have a standard of proof that it is a uh, somebody was negligent, that's a civil case. There's been a couple of cases that have gone up through the court system, and the Supreme Court justices have really expressed some concern as it relates to a negligent standard in a criminal case. Normally, it's knowingly. You knowingly did something. You're aware of your conduct practically uh, certain that you intended to cause the result. And when you start causing people to be charged for offenses that they didn't knowingly do something, um, it's problematic. 
and we talked about this before. Hey, uh, your son had access to a firearm. You were obviously negligent uh, because you uh, knew that he was in mental health issues. Okay, uh, what, you know, juvenile these days doesn't seem like they have mental health issues. Everything's a freaking drama, right? Uh, are parents supposed to shut everything down, not go to work, and cater to every overly emotional teenager's uh, situation? I think that's a tough road to hoe. Now, the jury may completely believe it in the Crumley case, but like I said, I'll disagree with that. And I think that will be going up to the appellate course if she is, in fact, convicted. So the fact that uh, they deliberated all day makes me think that the defense probably has a couple people on their side. Obviously, we'll never know for sure until the verdict comes out. Uh, but sure, is she going to get the Mother of the Year award, Jennifer Crumley? No. Is it criminal conduct? I tend to say no. Like I said, it's a dangerous precedent. You know what? Every juvenile that gets in trouble, let's, let's just start charging them. Hey, if your roommate gets in trouble, you should have known. Let's start charging them. What could you have done to prevent it? Where do you stop that line at, ladies and gentlemen? I know you may not like it. It's not the feel-good thing that a lot of people want to hear, but it is the truth. And that's probably why you come here for the truth, not just what an echo chamber, if, you, if that's what you're looking for. All right, next on the docket, was Rex Huerman's wife present for one of the murders? Well, one of the attorneys for the victim's family seems to think so. All right. So one of the attorneys for the uh, family of the two Gilgo Beach victims has questioned whether the wife of the accused serial killer, alleged serial killer, Rex Huerman, was actually in town longer than the prosecution believed she was in town. Now, obviously, we've talked about this. Rex Huerman is charged with murder of four sex workers whose bodies were found among 11 um, on a, a stretch of coastline near the Long Island home of the Hurmans back in uh, 2010 and 2011. So his soon-to-be ex-wife, I guess, uh, Asa Elstrup, uh, states that she was out of town during each of the three alleged murders, three of the four. And, now, and that's according to the district attorney. And um, she's not being accused of any wrongdoing whatsoever. But one of the attorneys that represents the family of Shannon Gilbert and Jessica Taylor, well, they're not so quite sure that. He questioned whether she was in town and claimed that she may have been around during one of the murders. Now, understand, these attorneys are trying to get money from Hewerman's soon-to-be ex-wife because they want the money. That's how they're going to get paid. They take these things on a contingency basis. So if he can attack them and say, hey, you know, because remember, she has a lot of resources, the house and things of that nature was transferred her name. She got some uh, property transferred her name. They're looking for anyone that they can get money from. That's what plaintiff attorneys do. And so they're looking for all sources. And if they can raise some doubt that maybe she had some involvement, then they go say, hey, well, but you know, we'll settle. How much do you got? Maybe we can make this go away. The attorney for Elrup uh, denies these claims and said that if the district attorney was wrong, the entire case against Mr. Hewerman would collapse. In fact, he stated that if they were wrong, it would create reasonable doubt as it relates to the whole case. So the prosecutor possibly can't be wrong, right? But would prosecutors maybe stretch the truth just a little bit to get the guy? These old cases, you got to be real careful. Now, we don't know for sure. We haven't seen the discovery. So we're just going to have to wait and see. 
uh, more than likely it's it's you know obviously the plaintiff's attorneys uh, are looking for money but they also are very invested in making sure there's money and the only way you can get to Elstrup is if she had some involvement and if you can show some involvement or possibly she was there then she would possibly settle on the civil side all right next on the docket Sarah Boone okay we've talked about this case several times and um, heck I think we were even going to try to bring you the trial uh, but it didn't quite work out. So now remember, Sarah Boone is charged with uh, one count of second degree murder in the death of her boyfriend, Jorge Torres. Well, how did he die, Scott? Well, because Miss Boone zipped him inside a suitcase and um, he died. And Miss Boone told police that she put him in the luggage as part of a game of hide and seek. And it just went wrong. I mean, clearly, I guess it'd be negligent, wouldn't it, right? zipping somebody up and not unzipping it again when they feel a little claustrophobic in there. But they're saying it was intentional. So the seventh court appointed attorney for Ms. Boone, a guy by the name of Winston Hobson, uh, filed a motion to withdraw, citing irreconcilable differences, including but not limited to ethical considerations. And um, so the question is now, she's gone through seven attorneys. Can she get an eighth. Now, the previous attorney withdrew from her case in August, uh, telling the judge that he could not represent a client who called him a dud and a buffoon. Now, clearly, uh, if that is what uh, affects your ability to be an effective attorney, uh, you may want to get a different kind of work. Clients call their attorneys much worse than that uh, all the time. Heck, I was even made aware of somebody the other day where the client said, uh, the, the sound of your voice is so irritating, like stop talking, okay? Now, I would get off for irreconcilable differences for that. But uh, <laughs> how many attorneys do you get? At a certain point, I think a court can make a reasonable finding that Ms. Boone cannot get along with anyone and that therefore she's basically waiving her right to counsel by her inability to try to be nice. Remember, the uh, defense attorney doesn't have to like Ms. Boone. The defense attorney, um, frankly, may not be able to stand to be in the same room with her. But at the end of the day, all he has to do is represent her. He doesn't have to believe in her story, doesn't have to believe in her. His job is to protect her rights, raise reasonable doubt if he can, in fact, do so. That is it. Seems like Ms. Boone wants a um, Ms. Boone wants a uh, attorney that is going to be her cheerleader and not her attorney. Now she's written several letters to the court um, asking you know for new counsel over the, the course of this case and she's gotten seven of them. but it is uh, interesting how she can't get along with anyone. And what's funny is she also doesn't like the judge. Um, she is, written letters to uh, Judge Wooten in this case, blaming the judge for the delays in her case with her attorneys. Um, she wrote in one letter, finally, a new judge. It's strange how the Lord works as I was in the process of trying to disqualify Wooten after being my judge four years and me still incarcerated with nothing to show other than seven different attorneys, not by choice. Uh, news clips of me walking in and out of the courtroom and everything relative to my case permitted to be slathered on the global internet in which I have not seen myself. I felt he was a ticket holder to my overly hyped, illicitly distributed mis 
construed criminal case and great reason I am still here again, ongoing four years and seven attorneys later. Um, Ms. Boone also uh, told the judge that uh, in future hearings, either way, she's still here waiting patiently and very excited to get her highly anticipated show on the road. Thanks in advance, uh, judge. The uh, next hearing will be held on uh, May 3rd, uh, probably be scheduled before that, but the May 3rd is a pretrial on May 13th, or a pretrial for the May 13th trial. So we'll see how that works out. I would not give her another attorney. Number eight, you just can't do it. You're not getting along. You're never gonna get along with anybody. All right, next on the docket, yes, a sugar air. That's right, an heir to a sugar fortune. Now we all know Southern Florida has lots of sugar. They grew lots of sugar. I think they exported most of it, but I think they still have some, but lots of money. So a family member of the Crystal's uh, fame is facing multiple criminal charges following an altercation at a Palm Beach home this week, and it left a woman with injuries to her head, face, neck, hands, wrist, and back, according to the police. So Alexander... Nicholas Fanjul is free on a $180,000 bond after officers arrested him on Monday on charges that included domestic battery by strangulation, robbery, false imprisonment, and cocaine possession. Now, old Fanjul goes by Nico and is the eldest son of Alexander Fanjul Sr., who is the director and senior vice president of Florida Cristals. Uh, the West Palm Beach-based company is one of the largest producers of sugar in the southeast region of the United States. And uh, Nico Fanjul is not an employee of the company because uh, he doesn't have to. He's a rich, famous heir, so he is good to go. So apparently the police responded because of a noise complaint at the Fanjul residence in and uh, just south of Palm Beach Country Club on the island's north end and they heard a woman screaming. The officer saw that the uh, front gate and door were opened and approached the residence. At the door, the officers uh, reportedly uh, saw Mr. Fangel inside, standing over a woman who was curled up on the floor in the fetal position, according to the arrest affidavit. The officers entered the home and um, uh, separated both parties. And according to the arrest affidavit, the uh, woman told the officers that Fangel physically assaulted her and she thought that she was going to die. That's because the whole strangulation, you'd be surprised how kind of quickly that can happen. Um, it does take a little bit of time to actually kill somebody, but to pass out, not so much. Um, that's why a lot of states now have second degree assault strangulation uh, because there was no serious bodily injury, but if you black out, it could be serious bodily injury. So anyway, they changed that statute uh, a while ago. Now, what was the uh, reason for the uh, assault? Well, accordingly, the woman said that she and Fangel had known each other for several months and were having dinner Sunday evening at the Flagger Steakhouse in Palm Beach when Fangel be apparently became upset being seated near a gay couple. So apparently that fight continued on the way home. Uh, they uh, voiced their frustrations throughout the dinner. And after eating, the couple returned to the home where they continued to speak about the frustration of being seated next to a gay couple. And uh, now, guess what? He is... Uh, going to jail and uh, out on a $180,000 bond. Man, $180,000 bond, you would think that he maybe assaulted a police officer or something. My goodness. <laughs> but no, no, domestic case, 180000 
That's a big bond, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to follow that one. You know, everybody loves to see the uh, rich and famous fall from grace. So we'll just have to wait and see. All right, next on the docket. Listen, the police have a duty to protect those who cooperate with the police. You don't really hear much about it. Yes, you hear about people threatened by uh, people that say don't testify. But on the rare occasion, somebody allegedly goes and actually kills a witness. That's bad. That's bad for the judicial system. Frankly, that is death penalty type of stuff where you are killing witnesses against you. Death penalty type of stuff if you are in a state that still has a death penalty. And it needs to be taken quite seriously. All right. So Tacoma, Washington, police are investigating the death of a woman who may have been killed in retaliation for cooperating with police as they searched for a rape suspect. And the investigators believe that a guy by the name of Muhammad Taksin Salano killed Nijari Tusi, a mother of seven, because she was believed to have provided information to police as they searched for Solano's nephew, a guy by the name of James Solano Jr. He was 22 at the time, and he was wanted for raping a woman at gunpoint in her car. So according to the arrest affidavit, Solano's uncle, Muhammad Solano, was upset about people cooperating with the police and provided them uh, with information about his nephew. And the murder victim, Tusi, was being accused of being a snitch and provided information to police about James Solano, who had been wanted by the police, obviously, for that uh, kidnapping, rape, and robbery. So, uh, Tulsi's body was found on December 18th on the ground near the gazebo at the Oakland Medrano Park. And this is based on physical evidence at the scene. It appears that she had been lying there for some time. There was some video surveillance that showed the shooting happened around 2.30 a.m. in the morning and hours later showed three men running away from the park. The uh, investigators believe that the shooting suspect returned uh, to the scene hours after the shooting to look for something one of them may have dropped, like maybe a set of car keys. Um, and according to the surveillance video, it also shows two suspects' vehicles in the area. And Muhammad Solano is seen getting dropped off by one of the vehicles just shortly after the murder. Cell phone records also indicate that Solano's phone was in the area at the time that the vehicles were captured on the camera as well. We have a woman here, Miss uh, uh, Tusi, who was trying to do the right thing, and it may have actually got her killed. It makes you wonder why the police were not there for that. Uh, maybe at least give her some relocation money, something along those lines. All right, next on the docket, our dumb criminal of the day. That's right, win a Grammy, go to jail. Now, I'm going to admit that I actually watched a pretty good portion of the Grammys last night because the lovely Miss Kristen, well, she wanted to watch it because of Taylor Swift. Okay, I get it. So being the supportive, you know, person that I am, I sat there and watched it too. And they said, oh, there's a little something along the screen that uh, rapper Killer Mike had been arrested. And so you wonder, well, how can you go from getting into a fight after you've won a Grammy? Well, rapper Killer Mike was arrested uh, for misdemeanor battery Sunday afternoon at the Grammy Awards. Now, the guy's real name is Michael Render, and uh, he was taken to the uh, LAPD for booking 
after allegedly getting into a physical altercation at the uh, crypto arena where the Grammys was being held. Now, um, in a video posted, it shows Render was escorted in handcuffs by police at the Grammys where he had just won three awards. Big night turns out to be the worst night. Render is accused of getting physical with a security officer, allegedly knocking the guard down when they did not move quickly enough out of Render's way. I guess when you win a Grammy, everybody's supposed to get out of your way. Everybody's supposed to do what you want. Well, you got to still be nice and you can't go around assaulting people, allegedly. But guess what? He was arrested. Security guard wasn't. So guess what, Mr. Render? You are our dumb criminal of the day. The best night of your life also turns out to be the worst night of your life. You think you'd won a couple of Grammys. You're excited. You, you got that adrenaline flowing. You're, you're, you should be in a great mood. Somebody bumps into you. Hey, man, it's great. You can do it, everyone. I'm sorry. Apologize. Just won three Grammys. Sorry, I didn't see you there. I'm carrying all my Grammys. But that's not the way it went down. Mr. Render, congratulations. Not only do you have three Grammys, now you got an arrest record as well. All right, that's all we have for you today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.